I'm Itamar Blauer, and this is SEO in 2024. Itamar, what's your number one SEO tip for 2024? So my number one tip is going to revolve around the content side of things, especially when it is related to what Google is doing now. So the introduction of the search generative experience, having generative AI in search results, that's going to have loads of implications on SEO, on content. And it's probably going to be sort of the biggest shift that we've seen in SEO in the last 10 years. So my tip is around the content side, and it involves pretty much understanding more about what Google is trying to surface when it comes to generative AI results. So as soon as that's sort of rolled out worldwide, and a lot of queries are going to utilize AI within their answers, it's important to understand what Google is actually looking for here. So from a website perspective, in terms of the content you're making, trying to think about all the possible types of areas of the funnel, all the types of things that are relevant to your niche, all of the synonyms, all of the types of language people are using, the different areas of your business that somebody might want to know about, and then thinking about all the content that will help weave users down the funnel, um, which can essentially help with the more colloquial types of searches using uh, generative AI. So Google is going to be able to understand more about nuances, more about context. So as long as you've got a lot of content that can relate to that and help answer these particular queries that might be a bit more comprehensive, then I think you'll do a lot better in terms of getting more clicks. Because of course, the results that we're going to see from AI, it's going to be a lot more saturated. We're not sure exactly in terms of what the proportion of clicks are going to be from the other organic results that we're going to see if we're going to start seeing AI results show up. So it's really important that we're able to sort of manage that and put ourselves in a better position to be able to get those clicks. So is search generative experience likely to put out only certain types of intent, certain types of keyword phrases and other, other types of content that we've got on our website that is going to be harder to get included in that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think if we if we think about the sort of traditional types of intent where you've got maybe commercial, navigational, informational, I reckon the AI results are probably going to have the most impact within informational and commercial types of searches, because a lot of businesses, even if they do sell products, they still might have informational types of content on their website about their niche. Uh, so people asking, you know, what is this or information about particular types of things related to their industry or their offerings. You know, I don't think it's going to affect navigational types of searches as much, but in terms of understanding that most people essentially are going to be using Google if they want an answer to a question. So that's informational or they're going to want to buy a product, which is more commercial. So those two intents are going to probably be the vast majority of the ones that are going to create an impact or, you know, utilize AI within, within the search results. Um, so they're going to probably be the ones that you should focus on anyhow. So what do you have to do to your content to make it more likely to be picked up by Google's SGE? Yeah, so I think in terms language is very important. So Google continues to understand better how, you know, different nuances within language. If we talk about different things like mum, like Google mum and how it sort of understands context around words that people are using that can have maybe multiple meanings or within certain types of searches, a word that you use in that search might have a meaning that's more relevant to the sort of area of what your search is about. So it gets really complex. So I think it's like 
you know, what you need to do is make sure within your content that you've reached out to the experts within your team with, uh, in your industry, even as well, to make sure that you sort of understand fully about all the different areas and you hit all the different points that people might be asking. So if you're not too sure about that, and let's say you're on the e-commerce side, you can go reach out to customer service, ask them what sort of questions people get. Are you also up to date with the, the language and terminology people are using in your industry? Because that's going to be important. So, you know, making sure that you hit all of the different points within your content, making sure that you address all the possible stages of the funnel, because you might have content at the moment that is predominantly around bottom of the funnel, people who are trying to buy stuff. And I know that's very common for businesses to do because they're like, okay, we would just want to make content so that people can see it and then buy from us. But actually there's loads more stages involved and the more comprehensive you could be in terms of the types of content you put out, the language you're using, making sure you're up to date with everything that your industry entails, then you'll be in a much better position to have all that ammunition that Google can crawl and utilize to your benefits because somebody who's searching for a very particular search, no matter what stage of the funnel they're at, they'll obviously have a better chance of seeing your content. Now you've talked about the funnel at least three times now. So how do you go about mapping content to different stages of the funnel? Yeah, so I think if you take sort of a traditional look at the funnel in terms of top of the funnel, people don't really know who, well, of course they don't know who you are, but they're also not really sure exactly what they want. So they might be typing in questions that are around either understanding about a certain term or thing to do with what it is that you do, or they might be doing a search that's more about their use case or the problem that they're trying to solve, because they might not be sure exactly as to maybe even what the terminology is around what you do. So those types of content um, will be sort of top of the funnel that can help people who either don't know what it is exactly they need and they're trying to solve a problem or people who sort of have a rough idea but need to know more about what it is. Now, when we go into the middle of the funnel, it's more sort of precise. People sort of already know kind of what they want, but they might be looking to do potentially some more comparisons, do some more digging. They might be looking for more information to dig deeper into that area. And then when you go down to bottom of the funnel, it's people who sort of are ready to convert. So it's about having content around maybe answering any potential big questions that might divert somebody away from you and go to a competitor or vice versa, really focusing on USP, why they should pick you over somebody else. So content that fits around these different areas of the funnel will do well. Obviously, the number of content you should create really does depend on your industry. It depends on, again, talking with people from customer service, going to industry events, finding out all of this sort of stuff. So you kind of know what the gist is in terms of what is it that people are actually looking for, um, but always have the sort of areas of the funnel in mind when you're sort of doing this research. And you also touched upon what you call traditional areas of intent, navigational, inf uh, informational, commercial, transactional, of course, as well. Are you a fan of those four different segments of intent or do you try and actually break, break it down even further? Well, you can break it down even further, but I think for most types of websites and most businesses and most industries, I think the traditional ones sort of are quite useful. Like they are quite accurate. I would say, obviously there are certain niches where you might want to delve a bit deeper, but I think just from an ideation perspective or just a, a sort of glimpse of how you should approach it, I think it's just the easiest way for sort of most people to understand. 
Uh, you also talk about um, how your content needs to be found as a result of more comprehensive searches within Google SGE. So what do you mean by more comprehensive searches? Yeah, so we've seen different examples of SGE when it was first announced. For example, if if there's a search that's, you know, unlike a traditional Google search, which to me is something that's very straightforward in a few words, and that's it, because you're already sort of you know, it's like you want to buy a red car or like a red Ford, you put in red Ford for sale or something like that. Whereas now it's like, okay, you can use Google search to be like, okay, I'm a father of three. I've got one kid who's two and I require lots of, you know, space in the boot. All of these, you know, more comprehensive type of search that Google will understand. It will understand the context and it will be in a better position to give you the right answer, but that's only provided that your content sort of matches different types of use cases, which also means you can scale your content to branch it out a lot more. So if you're, if you're selling cars, you could have potential use case types pages where it's like, these are the best cars. If you need large boot space, these are the best cards. If you've got a family of three, all that sort of stuff will be more helpful for Google to sort of get those answers directly to people who are searching for it. Now, I'm not exactly sure the amount of people who might search for that, but more likely people who are going to make these types of searches are going to be a lot more ready to buy, which means that it's not so much about the volume and the demand of this. It's more about making sure we can hit exactly what somebody who's ready to buy my product or service is going to be looking for. Okay. And sticking with that example, um, what style of content do you tend to recommend? Do you tend to recommend longer content of maybe thousands of words on an individual page and each subheading answering a very specific long tail keyword phrase or question, such as um, what's the car that would be right for a, a family that would suit car seats or something like that as, as, as per your example? Or do you want an individual URL, an individual web page for each one of those long tail questions to best better isolate that, that piece of content? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't necessarily think that one way would be better than the other. I think it's obviously worth experimenting with different types. Uh, I would imagine that with SG, it's going to be smart enough to sort of extract the right context within your content, even if it is one page that has loads of different content and is split up into different use cases or, or headings and things like that. So I don't think there's necessarily one better way to do it. Obviously, if you've got a separate page, you just want to make sure that it's you know, it's comprehensive enough and it is, it makes sense for it to be its own page. Like you don't just want to have one page without too much there, because obviously from a user's perspective, it's like, you're going to potentially stumble upon that, but then it's like, well, it doesn't have too much information about, you know, it, un it answers one particular question, but obviously I want to know more about the car or more about this, for example. So it really does depend on the content itself, but make sure that if you are doing separate pages that it makes sense for those pages to be there and that they're high quality enough. And do we need to give up with attempting to rank for short tail, high volume keyword phrases nowadays? Is it all about um, long form questions and getting in there for the very specifics? No, I wouldn't say you need to give up. I, I still think Google cares about understanding your website in terms of the the sort of topics or areas you write about building topical authority like it's still important i think to have the more sort of generic types of content or if we're talking cub and spoke models for example having that content there so that google's able to crawl it and actually understand what your website does and what it's useful for 
So I wouldn't say we should just completely scratch trying to sort of focus on the more generic terms, but obviously all of this, these things that we're suggesting really helps to support that. I think it does help to sort of strengthen that understanding and, and kind of solidify yourself more as, as an expert and authority. But with that is also linked the concept of what we've seen with AI, because we've seen ChatGPT come into play. We've seen a lot of people using it. A lot of people are using it to write content, which personally I think is quite dangerous. Uh, and that's purely because of, if we think about SGE and Google wanting to display new types of, uh, well, first of all, real people, but also new perspectives on things. So the perspectives tab as well can come up in a lot of types of queries. And the thing is with ChatGPT, for example, the knowledge it has is cut off at September 2021. So obviously, in terms of making sure that you have real people writing the content who know what is happening right now in your industry is going to be a lot more potent, I think, when it does come um, to content creation. So SEO shouldn't be using ChatGPT at all? No, no, not using ChatGPT at all, but not using it to just write your content flat out. I think it's very useful if you want to create briefs, if you're trying to get ideas on stuff to do, if you ask it hypothetical questions about, say, I want to make uh, this post appear a lot more authoritative. What are some things that I should be mentioning? All that kind of stuff. And I mean, if you've got ChatGPT actually doing the content for you, but you don't have somebody there who can edit it and sort of fact check different things, then I think that's a problem. Because if we think about the volume of sort of low quality content that can be produced by AI at the moment, which if uploaded to the web, Google's gonna have to sift through all of it and improve its models to detect it and to know exactly what to surface, especially when it comes to AI results. So I wouldn't say don't use AI, don't use ChatGPT at all, but use it with, you know, have a clue, have a strategy in place that don't just blindly go and create a bunch of content. If an SEO is struggling for time, what should they stop doing right now so they can spend more time doing what you suggest in 2024? Yeah, so I would suggest stop getting ChatGPT to write content. And I know it sounds counterproductive because obviously that's the easiest thing to do to save you time. But fundamentally, if you're going to do that and your content's not going to rank, then you've wasted time doing that in the first place, right? So in terms of saving yourself time, just have a plan, have a moment to think about what your strategy should be if you want it to be very comprehensive, very sustainable, uh, especially with all the things that we've covered about, you know, SEO in 2024 and beyond with SGE and AI is, you know, have a plan, have a think, and then utilize, you know, automation, utilize AI, ChatGPT to help make your life a bit easier, um, but do it with a plan. Don't just sort of blindly go in, like I said, and create a bunch of content, which won't rank most likely. Itamar Blauer is Senior SEO Director at Studio Hawk, and you can find him over at studiohawk.co.uk. Itamar, thanks so much for being part of SEO in 2024. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've been your host, David Bain. Get your copy of SEO in 2024, the book, over at seoin2024.com. <laughs>